0: You are seeing right now, I believe, the very best, the highest quality products come out of Shopify. And I've been here now for over a third of my life. This is the best of Shopify.
1: Hello and welcome to this special live recording of Shopify Masters. I'm Benjamin Gottlieb coming to you from Ottawa. You know, we're already in the second month of 2023, if you can believe it. And as the year goes on, we're seeing themes emerge among a few key economic indicators. Retail sales, for example, continue to vacillate month to month. Consumer confidence is choppy. Inflation remains a major concern for companies of all sizes. But where many see uncertainty, Harley Finkelstein sees opportunity. For the crowd here today, Harley, you need no introduction, but for the folks listening to our podcast, Harley is the president of Shopify, and he's here now with me to walk you through how he's thinking about 2023. Harley, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for doing this.
0: I'm so happy to be here. It is, I think this is the first time I've ever been on Shopify Masters.
1: I believe that's true, it's also a crime, so we'll have to address that We have to address
0: that. (laughs) Um, I, I can't believe it, and I'm so grateful to be here.
1: Well, thanks again so much. You know, we were lucky to catch up before this interview, and you told me that when you think about 2023, You think of it as the year of the entrepreneur. I do. Why do you think that?
0: A few things. Quantitatively, the last couple of years, we've seen the most amount. If you just look at the US uh, on its own and you look at US census data, 2021, 2022 have been the highest number of business registrations in the US relative to the previous 15 years. So, one is quantitatively, uh, the numbers support that. There are more people starting businesses on a monthly basis now than ever before. Second, I think, is that regardless of whether or not we are, in fact, in a recession right now, we're about to head into a recession, soft landing, hard landing, whatever whatever side of this you're on, it seems to me, and, and, and if you look back at sort of 2008, 2001, typically, these times where you have the threat of recession or an actual recession, you do see more entrepreneurial activity. That's the second thing. So one is, again, if you look at the actual numbers, more people are registering. Number two, generally around times of uncertainty, more people start businesses. But the third thing is fundamentally, and this is not just about Shopify, the technology around starting and scaling a business has never been nearly as good as it is right now. The fact that right now, sitting here in 2023, you can spend an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, something in that in that range, and you can build a business and hit launch. And immediately you can be selling to a global audience and you can integrate into and you can cross-sell into every social media platform. You can use YouTube live selling. You can get listed in Google search. You can grab a, a POS Go or a point of sale device and 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 do a pop-up. And you can do all this in in a number of hours. That has never been the case before. And so when you aggregate qualitative data, quantitative anecdotes, plus all these, you know, the, the general direction of technology and how good it's gotten, the bullseye of this whole thing is this year will be the year of the entrepreneur.
1: It already looks that way and we're only a couple weeks in. It looks that way. And of course, Shopify is a big facilitator of this, which we'll talk about a lot in this interview. But I want to key back in on um, this this idea of... 2023 being the year, you kind of outlined some tough economic things that we could be facing this year, and I'm just curious, why is it that in these environments entrepreneurs can thrive?
0: I mean, part of it is that if you think about, um, there are usually one of two reasons why someone starts a business: either it's passion based or curiosity based, or it's necessity based or survival based, and. If you think back, you and I were were talking about our bubbies uh, a little (laughs) earlier uh, before the show started, uh, which uh, for those who don't know, is sort of the Yiddish term for grandmother. For most of our grandparents who came to what they would call the new world, but but really North America, they came here and the first thing they did was start a business. My grandfather, my paternal grandfather sold eggs. My maternal grandfather um, self-described himself as a peddler. He picked up you know, all types of products like vacuum cleaners and clothing in the back of his car and drove to small towns in Quebec and sold clothing and and vacuum cleaners out of the the trunk of his car. In both cases, my grandfathers did not have any special passion or interest for selling eggs or peddling or eggs or peddling or any of this stuff. It was 100% about survival. Years later, um, as I've I've often told this story, when I was 13, my, my first- sort of wasn't a, a great company. My first actual entrepreneurial venture when I was 13 was I was a DJ. At Bar mitzvahs, At Bar Mitzvahs, right? that's exactly right. And that was not about survival. I was 13. I was lucky that I had a roof over my head and I had food on the table. But that was about passion, curiosity. There was um, an inherent desire to do so because it felt great. I think in these times of uncertainty, uh, you have more people starting businesses out of necessity, out of survival. Either they've lost their job and they have to... Uh, that need to make money, or they have a job, but maybe the job doesn't pay as well as it once did, given the the economic climate, so they have to subsidize or they have to supplement their income. Um, And I think generally, when times are really tough, human beings do whatever they can to get through those times. And entrepreneurship as a
1: tool to survival happens to be incredibly effective. It's not easy, but it's effective. In other words, this climate that we find ourselves in, although we're still kind of sussing out what it's going to be. It's, it's altitude training.
0: That's exactly right. And I think it is, we are going to look back on this period of time as a period where some of the great companies, great businesses, great entrepreneurs were developed, created and scaled because frankly, there are people right now that simply have no choice. And, and that also, this isn't a pitch for Shopify, but I have to say, that is the responsibility of Shopify. It is nice to walk around talking about being the entrepreneurship company in 2019 2019, things were pretty good. You know, interest rates were as close to zero as they've ever been. The economy was kind of roaring. This is pre-pandemic. And so we're the entrepreneurship company was nice, was nice to have. But this is the time where companies, in particular, where Shopify needs to prove that we actually are the entrepreneurship company. Not when times are good, we show up. When times are bad, we show up
1: even more. Hartley, you brought up a little bit about your own personal journey. And I think it's fair to say you're best positioned to talk about some of these things, not just because you're the president of Shopify, but also you walk the walk. You're an entrepreneur yourself. You brought up your first entrepreneurial business venture when you were 13. And now in the past few years, you've been running your own company, a T brand on Shopify. I'm just curious, how are you looking at what's happening? Just kind of these economic world market factors and how they intersect with your own business.
0: I mean, partially the reason that we launched Firebelly uh, about a year ago was I felt that I had not started a company on Shopify um, since like 2006 or 2007 or so. And I felt like everything had changed. The way to buy product, the way to sell, the way to market, um, the the way the website is and the online store is designed, the way you check out, everything had changed dramatically since Smoofer, which was my original Shopify store. And I felt that uh if I wanted to to use your term, you know, walk the walk, I actually had to put myself in the shoes of entrepreneurs uh that you Shopify. And and so I, I I, had this desire to start something new. Serendipitously during the pandemic, as as you may know, I'm an extrovert. I like being around people. I think you're kind of like that what too. gives it away. Uh yeah, I think <laughs> you and know, I are both extroverts. We like we like being with people. Um
1: and Which is why it's such a pleasure to be here with you It's today, easy, right? Way. It's yeah. so fun.
0: Exactly. It, it's fun to be with people. I get my energy by being around people. But fundamentally during the pandemic, I was by myself. It was me, my my wife, and our daughters. And I, I, I have the greatest wife in the world, and I have the greatest kids in the world, but I was not around a larger group of people. And I felt that was beginning to have an effect on my mental health. I felt that my anxiety levels were elevated. I felt that my stress levels were elevated. And I was really fortunate that... One of my closest friends, who's also a great entrepreneur named David Siegel, uh, who's the founder of a company called David's Tea, which had become probably the largest tea brand and and tea retailer in in North America, uh, publicly traded company. He came to me and said, hey, you probably need to reduce your caffeine intake if you're finding yourself getting anxious. And I said, "Okay, what do you suggest? He said, why why don't I curate some incredible green teas for you? What if I actually put it together and I'll create, like, you know, like David's Tea Special, like, box of, like, amazing. For Harley, yeah. (laughs) Uh, And it was just just a favor. It was just like, hey, I'll get you the best green tea. And it was amazing. I would stop drinking coffee after lunch and I would focus on green tea. And my energy levels, it was this, like, calm alertness to it. So both things. So the Venn diagram overlap of of Firebelly is that, on one hand, I sort of discovered for the first time really exceptionally high-quality green tea. And, and that was very helpful for me from an anxiety perspective. But also, I had this inherent desire to also start a brand new business on Shopify. I wanted to experience it firsthand. I think that, again, if Shopify wants to be the entrepreneurship company, and I'm the spokesperson for Shopify, I myself need to put myself in, in, in those shoes. And so, I think 14 months ago or so, we launched uh, Firebellyt.com on Shopify. It was amazing because it was totally different. You know, everything from being able to use ShopPay. Which reduces obviously a bend in checkouts and obviously increases the speed and security of checkout. To the way we even um, did the merchandising on our site. Um, so, for example, if you've never tried really good tea before, how do you know what tea to try? We created a bit of a survey, asked you a bunch of questions, and through that survey, we would tell you, hey, we think you should drink <laughs> these tea <laughs> particular the tea teas. You, yeah. uh, the way we advertised, you know, we we we. When I had Smoofer, my entire advertising model was around Google AdWords. The more money I spent. Um, The more ads I was able to buy, the more traffic I got, the more sales I got. With Firebelly, it was far more about creativity versus capital. You know, who are the right people to send tea to? What are the right new surface areas of which to advertise on, whether it's YouTube or it's Instagram or it's TikTok? The idea of of we can't just sell tea, we also have to create content around the tea and actually creating a bit of a content machine inside of Firebelly. I never did that with Smooth for a half, and that was sort of unequivocally imperative for for, for Firebelly. And so all these different things that I was doing for Firebelly, I never had done for my previous companies. And it was just amazing learning experience. And now I get to share my tea with, you know, thousands and thousands of people around the world. We have a subscription side of, of the tea business. But if you sort of zoom out, that lesson was incredibly valuable for me because I really understand today, more than I did 14 months ago, exactly what it's like to be in the shoes of a brand new entrepreneur getting started. And while the technology has gotten better and the go to market strategies have gotten more creative and inter- interesting, there are some things that are still paramount, great product, great customer service. Um, you know, if, if there's any, any customer on Firebelly that, you know, buys, I think three or four times um, I, I get a trigger about that and I get it from the admin and I send them a personal email saying, thank you for buying from Firebelly. There's just like, there's some things that are, 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 timeless and, it's been an amazing experience. And I, I don't think, you know, Firebelly Tea is ever going to be, you know, the, like the largest publicly traded tea company. That's not the point. Sure. The point is I found something that was helpful to me as an entrepreneur. I get to share it. And at the same time, I get to really understand what it's like to be an entrepreneur in 2023.
1: Well, you brought up a couple of times in that answer, this idea of the customer and how to get a customer, how that's changed over the last decade plus. Yeah. Um, as I'm sure you know, customer acquisition costs, they continue to rise. Totally. And so it's, it's more and more difficult, really, to acquire a customer and to get them through finding your product to check out. Um, you've been talking a lot this week about what we're doing as a company to kind of help our merchants and others acquire customers. But if you could, just um, what would you say to those that are listening about how they can kind of deal with this reality? So there's no doubt about it that cost of customer acquisition has gone up. ROAS, return
0: ad spend, has has, has gone down. It is more challenging today than it's been a year ago, two years ago. A couple of things. First of all, we are using audiences at Firebelly. Audiences is amazing. The reason audiences, the product is is so amazing is because if you are a brand or an entrepreneur or a business, you kind of have two choices. You either either sell on a marketplace, which gives you um, economies of scale, but doesn't give you any independence. It's not your own business. You're effectively renting customers from that marketplace. Or uh, at least before Shopify, you can build your own online store where it's, you know, prior to Shopify, was very expensive. You did have independence, but you had no economy of scale. What audiences does is it allows you as an entrepreneur or brand to be independent, have your own business, and, and have a direct relationship to your consumer, to your customer. But at the same time, you get to leverage the economy of scale of being part of this aggregated community of Shopify merchants, which right now is like, I think it's 10% of all e-commerce in the US. I think uh, the Shopify checkout is the second largest checkout, uh, online checkout in America after, after Amazon. So audiences is such a cool product because it leverages the economy of scale of being part of Shopify, but also still allows you to have an amazing direct relationship with your end consumer and allows you to continue to be in an independent business and we're using it and it is amazing. So there, there are, there are new tools and new products that Shopify is is putting out there to make that easier. But I actually think, uh, going back to sort of the, some of the timeless, tactics and strategies of being an entrepreneur, you know, um, Kevin Kelly has an amazing blog post called 1000 true fans. And if you know that blog post, it's, it's, that is such an important blog post, particularly getting started because one of the things we focused on in the, in, when we were getting uh, Firebelly up and running was let's figure out the 1000 people around the world who love you guys, who simply love, not even love us, but love and will appreciate and really will value really good really high-end tea with the best products, the best accessories. And so when they look at our, our tea mug, for example, which David designed from scratch, it's like this is like the ultimate tea mug that he always wanted to build at, at David's Tea but never was able to do so because it was such a big company and, and you know how that works. Um, so this is the stuff that he himself wanted to build and now he gets to do it. And so we actually focused on who are the 1,000 people, who more than anyone else, would love this stuff and then make them, true fans of our of our business of our store and let them tell the story of Firebelly to the world
1: that is so different than how you just described starting your first business on Shopify.
0: that's right which was far more throw as much money as possible at a digital ad platform optimize 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 tweak things keywords make sure you know your meta tags are, are where they need to be make sure you're hitting the right geographies find alpha arbitrage opportunities this time it was far more, Looking for the authentic fans of the product, and it's been really fun to do it that way um, but certainly look i I the barrier to entry to entrepreneurship has never been lower, and I love that like that is what that's why we all come to work every day at Shopify to make the barrier to entry lower, but that means that more people are starting businesses so therefore you as a business, you as a brand, you need to set yourselves apart and you're if you're simply competing against you know Maxwell House if you're a coffee brand and you're competing against them, Maxwell House has more money than you Starbucks has more money than you they're going to outspend you when it comes to an ad platform however the one thing that they don't have is they don't have you the entrepreneur they don't have the authenticity and they don't have the behind the scenes and they don't have the the connection that you can do as a small business and often those are things that don't scale but you can do when you're small and that is your advantage over some of the bigger companies. And I think that that Kevin Kelly, 1,000 true fans model of starting a business is wonderful.
1: I'm chatting with Harley Finkelstein, the president of Shopify. And before we continue, just a quick word about our show, Shopify Masters. If you are liking what you're hearing, please do us a favor. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And thank you so much. Harley, I want to get back to an idea you were kind of nibbling around the edge is about so far in this interview. And this is the idea of of what to focus on in 2023. In the early parts of the pandemic, let's say it was diversification. That was the name of the game. Throw stuff out there, see what sticks, see what's popular. And you are calling for something a little bit different in 2023,
0: right? I think now as a company,
1: no matter what size
0: you are, there's no appetite right now for waste. And I think that there was a period of time, you know, you can call it the summer days of business, whereby you can afford to make a lot of mistakes. You try something, throw it at the wall, see what sticks. If it sticks, you scale. If it doesn't, it's no big deal. I think now you have to be a little bit more precise. You have to be a little bit more thoughtful about not reducing the quality score. I'll give you an example. When the pandemic hit March, 2020, Shopify, I'm really proud of how we showed up. We basically, we said, look, we have to, just help our merchants get through this, however we can. However correct. we can. It was not about thriving; it was 100 about survival, and it was tough. So you know, we 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 did things like curbside pickup, and we did touchless um, payments, and we did uh, we expanded capital beyond the U.S. We we, we opened Shopify Capital to Canada and to the U.K. It was it was epic in its speed, but certainly we allowed ourselves the ability to reduce certain standards on the basis that entrepreneurs need to survive this, and we need to be there for them. And now I think that that is you know, a couple of years behind us. We're now getting back to a point where, and today is our, our public launch of uh, Shopify Editions. When you look at our our releases, there's been more than a hundred releases, new products released today from Shopify. It's there remarkable. is a, it's, it's remarkable. Yeah, it's a lot there of- is a quality standard, a discernible quality to everything we've put out there That is so obvious that it has a much higher degree of of scale that it allows you to start. But if you're at your mom's kitchen table and you're getting started or you're Richard Dixon, who's the president of Mattel, this product will work for you. And so I think the companies that are most flexible will be the companies that will win ultimately. And part of being a company that is flexible and I think we have a lot of this here at shopify is that when the times call for ship 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 because that's what has to happen, that's how we operate. Let's go. Yeah. let's go exactly. but when the, when when they call for okay, be be more thoughtful, make sure that every single thing you are shipping is enterprise grade, that's what we do and that's what we're doing right now. and I think right now we're being a lot more thoughtful about What we ship, how we ship it, and then the ability to scale it. You know, something like audiences or something like Shopify Collabs, for example, or Point of Sale Go or CCS, uh, Commerce Components by Shopify. You are seeing right now, I believe, the very best, the highest quality products come out of Shopify. And I've been here now for over a third of my life. This is the best of Shopify. We have the best team in place. I I truly believe that. We also are shipping our very best products right now. And so now is the time to focus on quality as opposed to sort of this this crazy like sprint. Now we're back to running a marathon. I think that will help us over the long run.
1: We're going to talk a lot more about some of the things you just mentioned. CCS, commerce components, we're going to talk a little bit more about collabs as well. But I just want to circle back and put a fine point on this this issue of, of what to focus on as an entrepreneur this year. Um, you had this analogy, which I loved. Maybe this is the inner geek in me, but it was focus on your main quest versus your side quest. Um, how do you determine that as a business? If you're a business owner and you're looking at what to put your capital, whether that's human capital or your actual physical capital behind this year, how do you make the determination like, nah, that's, that's, that's outside the scope and this is what we need to focus on?
0: I mean, that that is something that I, I borrowed, uh, uh, respectfully borrowed from Toby. Um, Toby talks a lot about side quests versus, versus main quests. And, and I, I, you know, it comes from sort of the video game world, of course. But I actually do believe it is it is we as entrepreneurs, we all, I think, have a healthy dose of shiny toy syndrome. By our very nature, we are excited, we are interested, we are curious people, entrepreneurs. And so when we see something interesting, it is very easy to latch onto that new thing. And I think one of the things that is valuable as an entrepreneur right now especially is being very clear and very thoughtful about what is your main quest and what is your side quest? And I think if you actually create a number of different questions or like you had to create some sort of litmus test that allows you to very, very quickly suss out is this going to be a side quest or is this part of the main quest? And once you do that, you can actually make far better decisions because I think right now is a time for operational discipline. I think right now is a time for like wasting is not like, there's not an unlimited amount of resources right now. We are not living in the summer, you know, age of of entrepreneurship. They're like this, these are tough times. Interest rates are up. Funding is, is more difficult right now. The economy is in an uncertain place. You know, ROAS return ad spend has gone down. Like there is, a lot going on right now. And I think you as an entrepreneur if you are clear that no this is what I care about. And for Shopify, we are very clear, right? We we want to create mo- better products, more products that help entrepreneurs start and scale their businesses. And we're happy to dabble in other things that are that are fun but not at the risk of the main quest, which is making commerce better for everyone. And I think that as an entrepreneur, it's important for Shopify, it's also important as an entrepreneur. If you want to make the greatest you know, uh, sneakers on the planet, uh, sustainable sneakers in your birds or you want to make the best hospital scrubs on the planet in your in your Figs, or you want to make the best workout gear in your Gymshark. Focus on that. Um, I was at the Gymshark store Regent Street a couple weeks ago in London, and uh, they have a gym inside their their wow. flagship store. Love it. It's really beautiful. It. And I was talking to Noel Mack, who's their chief brand officer. and I said, Are you going to do more of this." He's like, "No, this is our side que- this is our side quest, not our main quest." And he was so right away. It was like like Noel was like right, right at the tip away of his tongue. Yeah, He's like, no, he's like, this gym is, is good. The, the we are a clothing brand fundamental. We're a lifestyle brand, but we focus on making the best clothing. And so we will do these gyms in certain stores when it calls for it. But our main quest is what we are focused on. And anything other than that is going to be a distraction. And I think we should all be like Jim shark and like Noel Mack and, and, and Ben Francis and focus and know exactly what our main quest is. Cause it's going to make us, it'll make it easier for us to avoid distractions
1: will make it easier for us to avoid distractions, also help us focus on what's going on with the current economic climate as well. Uh, Harley, question for you just about um, this theme you brought up earlier, a desire to be together, right? I, I, I'm happy to be here with you. Just like you, I feed off of being around others. Many people are like that. And it's it's not just us too, right? There's a desire after the pandemic now, to kind of come back together and be in person. Humans like humans. <laughs> what a concept. Yeah, Human, humans like humans. And you've been really talking a lot about this, right? The future of what retail will look like, not just this year, but how companies should plan moving into 2024, 25, and beyond. Um, talk to us a little bit more about the future of retail and what Shopify is doing uh, to kind of make that a reality. I think the POS, Point of Sale Go, is, is a big part of that as well.
0: There is this current meme happening right now inside of retail and commerce that I find is interesting, which is a lot of brands describe their business using the number of channels they sell across. You know, I am I'm single channel, I'm multi channel, I'm omni channel, I'm whatever channel, I'm I'm social, I'm social commerce, I'm physical commerce.
1: Sounds like the zodiac signs. We're connecting the exactly. sun and the moon signs. That's <laughs> right. That's right.
0: And. um it's about as, in my, in my view, it's about as useful as that also, which is forget the channels. Go back to basics. Our job as retailers, as merchants, and entrepreneurs, is to sell a great product to a great customer using the right mechanism or the right channel. And I think this idea that you have to be this type of retailer, that is, is, it's much simpler than that. I think the retailers and the brands that are going to be most successful in the future will fundamentally understand exactly how their customer wants to purchase. And that may be online only. That may be offline only. That may be a combination of a few. But forget these like different channels. The reason that I believe Shopify is evolving into the world's first retail operating system is because that's what I think is important. You as a business, you as an entrepreneur need a place to go to run your business where you go and you add products and you fulfill orders and you check, you know, your analytics and reporting and you launch marketing campaigns, you create discount codes and you ship items and you you do all the, the quote unquote work that you have to do. But in terms of where those are sold, you should be channel agnostic, sell exactly where your customer wants you to. And if some of your customers, and I believe this to be true, some of your customers will always prefer an in-store experience and some will always prefer an online experience and some are gonna wanna buy from you directly on YouTube or Instagram or Pinterest or Snap or TikTok or all these great channels. So just sell in those places. And if this was 20 years ago, a main channel would be MySpace. And so 20 years ago or 10 years ago, that would have been a great channel for you to sell and Today it's not relevant anymore so you wouldn't sell anymore. But if you, if you take an approach whereas we are going to sell great products to our customers in whatever fashion or venue that they want, you're going to be a long-lasting, durable company and a durable brand. And if you're overly caught up in one particular channel and you put all your eggs into the one proverbial basket and that channel disintegrates or that channel goes out of fashion, you're going to scramble. So... You know, even at our little tea business at Firebelly, like we we have an online store, of course, that's our main channel. It's where we connect directly. In fact, to me, that is where we provide the most authentic uh, relationship experience with our, with our customers. But we also, you know, cross-sell on Essence and we cross-sell on Bloomingdales and we cross-sell on Indigo and 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 the Bay and, and and part of it, we're just sort of experimenting. Let's let's that that's the best part of Shopify. It allows us to experiment selling across all these different channels. And when one heats up, we double down, and when one, you know, is gets cold, we 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 pull back on that. But I think I've said this publicly, and I'll say it again. I've said this a lot. I think talking about multi-channel or omni-channel today will be like talking about the color TV in a couple of years from now. Meaning every TV is by its very nature a color TV. You don't say color TV, you just say TV. I think every retailer is just going to be retail everywhere.
1: So then do you have the same opinion about e-commerce, for example?
0: Well, I think e-commerce on its own, like, you know, it, I, I the reason I, I often ha- have this talk track is because as the president of Shopify, everyone always expects me to say the future of, of retail is, is, of course, e-commerce. Web store, uh, open web, on a, on a browser. And I actually think because of like the open web and because of, of the web browser, the online store will always be a mainstay. But I think that in the future, consumers are going to want to buy however it's most convenient for them. And we as a company... Our responsibility, if we want to be the modern retail operating system, the responsibility we have is to make it really, really easy to sell however any merchants want to sell, which should be determined by how their consumers want to buy.
1: I'm chatting with Harley Finkelstein, the president of Shopify here on Shopify Masters. Harley, as you mentioned a few moments ago, this is the public launch of editions, winter editions. Uh, There's a lot of buzz around the office here in Ottawa, the port in Ottawa, and There's something that you've been talking about uh, a lot recently, and this is the idea that Shopify isn't just for someone starting out. Shopify's tools have value to some of the big brands out there, but it's been a big push for you over the last several months and years, and that recently kind of came to a head with a couple brands, with Supreme and then, of course, Mattel. Um, Talk to me a little bit about what it's been like to... I guess, sell this narrative to some of these bigger companies that might have this preconceived notion about us that isn't true anymore? Yeah,
0: it's a great question. I am so proud that Shopify is becoming or has become the entrepreneurship company globally. I don't know any other company that's closest to it. I don't think we're fully there yet, but we're pretty damn close to being the entrepreneurship company. And I love that. I think that is exactly like Shopify is a company. I mean, you, you, you know this yourself, like it's a company for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. The 10,000 people that work at Shopify, most of them, if not all of them are either entrepreneurs by, by the very nature that they, they're business owners or they have been business owners or they're incredibly entrepreneurial, right? Which is sort of a mindset and a philosophy. So the early days of Shopify, we were trying to bend the, bend the curve to make it easier for more people to start businesses on Shopify and we really focus on small businesses. And then around sort of the, the mid-2010, so let's say 2014, 2015 or so, some of those small businesses that started their mom's kitchen table got really, really big. I mean, they became category leaders. I'm talking about, you know, the Fashion Novas and the Gymsharks of the world and, and the bombuses of the world, the Tommy John Underwears of the world. These companies that, again, two years prior were You know, at a coffee shop or their mom's kitchen table, literally in some cases, uh, or their dorm room. Well, they're renting office space, or they're renting office space and grabbing a desk wherever they can. And over the course of a couple years, they had become massive. They they became the incumbents in their space. It's incredibly impressive. The insight there was as they grew and they became the incumbents, they became the leaders, they became the you know the big fish. They didn't leave Shopify as their business scaled they continued to use Shopify. And that insight made it very clear to us that there's something special here. Shopify, we know, is the best place to start a business. What if it's also the best place to scale a business? And so that led to the introduction of Shopify Plus um, about eight years ago or so. And then Shopify Plus happened, and we had a lot of these larger brands begun, begin to come to Shopify, not to start their business. They actually came to um to effectively scale their business, like they were already started, they were migrating to us from much larger enterprise platforms or migrating to us from their own homegrown systems. This is the Glossiers of the world, the Spanx of the world, Procter and Gamble, Unilever—these incredible brands that you know again had been around for a while. But
1: we're seeing resistance in their own. That's systems, That's right. right.
0: Something wasn't working. They weren't able to scale on their existing stack, and Shopify Plus seemed to be a great, you know, new, new, new uh, platform for them, and so. Over time, I think the the evolution of Shopify and our brand was, yes, we are still the entrepreneurship company, but entrepreneurs come in all sizes. It's You you can be an entrepreneur and be, you know, a solo entrepreneur, first company, first time, but you also, Ben Francis, Jim Shark, Trina Figs, or Kylie, Kylie Cosmetics, these are also entrepreneurs. They're simply running bigger businesses, and Shopify can be an ideal partner for them as well. And then sort of the third evolution was a bunch of, really, really, really big companies with some of the most complex operations. Um, in the case of Supreme, for example, you know their CPMs, their checkouts per minute is unheard of. There, there is no brand, there is no company on the planet. Who compares. Not, no. not even close. Yeah. I mean, these are the largest flash sales in the history of commerce, which frankly is the history of currency, which is frankly like almost the history of the world, right? right? <laughs> um, so yeah. you had these very interesting brands, very important brands, that started coming to Shopify and saying, hey, can you also help us? And in, and like most- Did they seek us out or are we- In some cases, they, they sought us out. They, they contacted us and said, hey, we know Shopify doesn't seem to be meant for us, but like, can we use Shopify? And it turns out at Supreme and at Mattel and at these very, very large retailers, I mean, Mattel has been around since the 40s, right? You're talking about a company that's 80, 70, 75 or 80 years old. I mean, they created Barbie and Hot Wheels in, in, in the late 1940s. A husband-wife team, their children, funny enough, the kids' names were Barbie and Ken, um, which is how the dolls came about. So we saw that there was one more opportunity for us to create something for even larger companies. And that's how Commerce Components by Shopify was sort of conceptualized and created. It was, okay, we have Shopify sort of core for small businesses. We have Shopify Plus for larger businesses, but they're sort of this enterprise level where they're going to want to mix and match in a very modular way. The best of Shopify, like our checkout, for example, which is like the best checkout by far on the Internet, it is it I mean, it it transacts again. Ten percent of all e-commerce is done. It's fast. It's convenient. It's battle-hardened. They want to use the checkout, but they also want to bring their own ERP system, or they want to bring their own inventory management system, or they want to bring their own fulfillment management system or warehouse management system. And so this idea of commerce components is our way of saying to these very large brands like Mattel, who has, I think Mattel has 400 brands in their vault. I mean, everyone knows Barbie and everyone knows about, you know, Hot Wheels, but they also have Fisher Price and they have, you know, Uno, for example, and they have all types of brands in that catalog. And so we wanted to give them more flexibility. So use the best of Shopify, like our checkout or our, our storefront, but also combine it with with tools and products and fee- and, and functionality that you already have built in house. And that was really the that's how we conceptualize commerce components. And I think the cool part about that is, as you talk to Richard at Mattel, or you talk to Michael at you know at uh, at, at Supreme, one of the things you begin to realize is that. They're also entrepreneurs. Yes, they're running the largest flash sales. Yes, they're running the largest, you know, uh, consumer packaged good companies on the planet. But they themselves want what someone who's starting at their mom's kitchen table right now wants. They want speed. They want agility. They want to create a great experience. They want to be versatile. They want to know that fundamentally by coming to Shopify, their commerce, their retail platform is future-proofed. And I think what we do across the board from the smallest of merchants to the largest of merchants, we future-proof your business so that when you hear about some gnarly thing coming out of YouTube like live shopping or you hear about you know shopping happening on Instagram or you hear about some new type of physical retail technology, that you know that by being on Shopify, there is a very, very good chance that that piece of technology you just heard about, you read about, is now available to you
1: out of the box and that's amazing. Certainly is amazing. And speaking of Richard from Mattel, you had a chance recently to sit down with him and talk with him at NRF, right? the National Retail Federation Conference. That's right. By the way, if folks that are listening want to check out that interview, you can see it online. Um, what was that like? What was the, I'm just curious, the, the reception from folks who are maybe from a different, I don't want to, I don't want to be ageist, but a different time, a different way of thinking. Maybe they have these, again, preconceived notions of what Shopify can do. And here you are talking with, a brand from the forties. What was that experience like? It was really important.
0: Enterprise software is procured, purchased and evaluated is a very long sales cycle. Uh, Often. I I just learned this. Apparently a lot of these people go golfing. Uh, They, they, they spend eight hours together on golf. And how's your golf game? Terrible. And also (laughs) like, I love commerce. I am, I am like the biggest cheerleader for entrepreneurship and commerce and retail in the world. I don't want to go golfing with you. Like let's spend our time fixing broken shit. Let's spend our time solving problems together, building your business. Uh, if you want to go golfing that's fine but like that's just not our style, right? And so what's interesting is we actually had never been to NRF before. I mean National Retail Federation, the conference called the Big Show happens every year in January. It is One of the most important enterprise retail shows, and Shopify had never showed up. Really? Yeah. And so this is the first year we showed up, and it was sort of like, it was there was a holy shit moment from the crowd because, like, you know, I don't think they appreciated that Shopify can handle the largest, most complicated brands and businesses on the planet, and 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 we already do. Like so many of people's favorite brands and the brands that they admire are already using Shopify, and so it was it was an amazing opportunity because it was our it was our way of saying to the world, like we're not just for small businesses; we can also help the biggest brands. And being on stage with Richard, who runs Mattel, and him saying, "Look, we looked at across every single enterprise commerce platform, and we picked Shopify because of flexibility, scalability, future proofing." Uh, you, you know your view of, of uh, and your your understanding of where commerce is evolving to. That was amazing, and it created a little bit of a holy shit moment. Like I remember there was this one particular moment in the talk. Um, we were on stage. It was the key. It was the main keynote on the, on the opening day, Richard and I, there was like, I think it was 3,500 people in the audience. Oh yeah. It's packed. I saw Yeah, It's totally packed. Yeah. It goes all the way back to the Javits center in New York city. And there was a particular time where you, you heard this gasp like across the room and it was when Richard said, he came to us and, and gave us this list of things. And my, and, and, and he said, Hey, can you do these things? And my answer was, of course we can't and and it was it was somewhat shocking, and so it, look if 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 we have to if we have to go play golf with some people, that's <laughs> fine. i just i I think we are inviting people in in to buy modern software that's just going to work great right now, but will also work incredibly well in the future and 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 now we're doing you know we're we're doing the rfps and we're 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 in those procurement processes. And we're winning, but I think we're also doing it in a way that I feel very proud of. We're doing it in a very Shopify authentic way. Um, And everyone can have their time back instead of going golfing with an enterprise software vendor. uh, They can go spend time with their family and they can focus on building their business. And they can do it in a way that I think feels a lot more in line with the future of
1: retail and the future of business. So it's not so much who you know, who you've played 18 with on the course and how many times you've done that. See, many- I, don't,
0: I don't know the lingo, you know the lingo play 18 with. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know the lingo, I just like, like, do you want the best software right. to, to, to scale your business over the next many decades? Or not. If you do, use us. If you want to be wooed and you want to sort of go through you know, the the, the whole song and dance around procurement and and spend six months evaluating, we can do that too or we can just get to work and, and, and build your business. And I think more and more it seems to me that a lot of the biggest companies on the planet, the brands that are sort of blue chip brands, they also are looking for uh, what 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 commerce components can offer
1: Well, this is the disruption that Shopify can cause yeah. the well needed disruption in That's the right. industry right uh, Harley, one more question about um, commerce components and uh, how we are adjusting as a company to some of these bigger brands, could you walk me through um, as much as you can say, what is it that a large company, for example, like Mattel needs specifically that they can't get from what they're running right now and that we can kind of fit ourselves into? A lot of it
0: is flexibility. They have certain processes and systems in-house that they want to continue to use, but they don't necessarily want um, something that is sort of one size fits all. And so this idea of the reason that it's commerce components is you can take the components from Shopify that we have, you know, we have tested, we have perfected over the last 20 years. And you can combine them with the components that you already want to use in-house. And we are not going to give you something that is like, you know, that 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 is a square peg in a round hole, but rather we allow you to customize each component based on exactly what you need. And I think that is what is winning right now. I think part of the, the other, the other part of it is that I remember uh, during the roadshow, and the IPO Show in 2015, we talked this idea about retail everywhere, and you know, some people were like, "Well, how'd that go?" They were confused. <laughs> Omni-channel, multi-channel wasn't really a big thing in 2015. It was really online versus offline. Those are the days where you heard a lot of talk around um, the concept of channel conflict. You heard on these earnings calls from big department stores, "Well, there's channel conflict. Online is hurting, offline. And offline hurting. All that crap." Like, and but, but I think we had weird term to use, I guess, in a, in a, in a, in a podcast like this. But I, the thing that I, I, I love about us is that we, we've always had this courage. We're like, no, we think that the future of retail will be retail everywhere. And so we in 2015 are going to build a product and build a company around this idea that when retail is retail everywhere, Shopify is fundamentally the best place to build. We are We are not just going to be your software provider or your software vendor. We're going to be your retail partner. And, and I think we're still doing that today. We're saying, look, we, like, if, you, if you look at the 100 things we're doing right now for, for additions, you look at Shopify functions, for example, you look at some of the stuff we're doing around um, you know, token-gated commerce, some of the stuff we're doing one-page checkout, which is a big, big new feature. All we're trying to do is we're trying to anticipate where retail is going based on all the data we have, all the information we have, all the knowledge we have, so that when the millions of merchants on Shopify want it and need it, it is readily available for them. And I think that is the sort of, that is the sort of the coming together of, of 20 years of, of, of experience in trying to predict where it's going. We're not always getting it right. There are, there's plenty of times where we think that this particular feature is going to be beloved. It's going to be super important. doesn't come true. But we prefer to do it that way than a merchant comes to us and says, I really need this and it's not available. When you come to Shopify, you are future-proofing your business. And, and that matters a great deal.
1: Harley looking at 2023 let's say I'm a business owner and I'm still feeling a little bit uncertain about what I got going on will it succeed what are your final kind of motivating comments you'd have for for someone like that
0: on Monday we had our our, our summit uh, internal summit uh for you know all Shopify folk it was amazing I thought it was amazing um and one of the things I, I tried to I tried to say in my in my in my talk in my keynote um, was this concept of of resiliency. And I think most people believe resiliency is this thing you either have or you don't have. You either are born with it or you're not. You're either born with the ability to to react a certain way to, to, um, to something that is negative or to something that is not the way you want it to go or you don't. And actually, it's not the case. Resiliency is actually learned. And I think the best thing we all can do, you mentioned at the beginning of our interview today, this idea of altitude testing. I think that this is an opportunity for all of us, certainly you and I, but but everyone listening, every entrepreneur, every person that that is entrepreneurial to use this time to try to build some resilience. When the pandemic hit, I saw two types of entrepreneurs, not just on Shopify, just generally in the world. This huge tidal wave was coming called COVID-19 and, and the pandemic. And some people ran for the sand and grabbed their towels and others ran for their surfboard and surfed. And the ones that surfed, those were the, the resilient as fuck ones, resilient AF. And I think right now is an amazing opportunity to use some of that resilience or to build more resilience. If you are an entrepreneur, it is not easy. It is not always going to be fun. It's not always going to be up and to the right. There's going to be sleepless nights. There's going to be tough days. There's going to be things you really don't want to do. But if you love it the way that I do and the way that you do and the way that the millions of merchants and entrepreneurs on Shopify do, there's nothing in the world better than entrepreneurship. And so I think it behooves all of us right now to embrace this uncertainty, to embrace this period of change and to build real resilient muscle. Because there is no doubt in my mind, this is not gonna be the last time shit's gonna get hard. It's gonna keep getting hard, and, so, and it may even get hard in this. And so if every time it gets hard, you build new resilience muscle, you build new experience around how do you react when things don't go your way, you are going to win ultimately. And I am incredibly proud of, of the people that work at Shopify. I'm incredibly proud of the merchants that, that have partnered with Shopify. I'm proud of the partners on Shopify, our app developers, our theme developers, our agency partners, because it seems to me that there is a disproportionate amount of resiliency inside of the Shopify ecosystem. And I love that that inspires me as not, not as, you know, the president of Shopify, but me as an individual to be more resilient. And I think if we can focus on that, we'll all be okay. And we're all going to ultimately build things that are long lasting and durable. And we're going to have so much fun doing it. Entrepreneurship is the most fun way to spend your time. This idea that I talk about called life's work, most people don't even get a chance to even understand what life's work is. And as I sit here watching you do this interview and I watch you do your other interviews, like you realize, you're like it, it, it doesn't feel like work. It is hard, it's complicated. You have sleepless nights, you, you have you know 18 hour days quite often as I do. But life's work is about finding your craft, your skill, getting better and better at it and then sharing it with the
1: world. And that is the epicenter of entrepreneurship. And, and and that's what I'm here for. Well, if that doesn't fire you up to get started this year, I don't know what will. Harley, I have to get you to fire up my softball guys and my softball team. Before. I'm in, I'm in, yeah. I'm happy to do it. <laughs> Harley, what a treat. Thank you so much
0: for sitting down with us. Really appreciate it. I'm so happy to be here. And to all the listeners on Shopify Masters, thank you for tuning in. I've said this a hundred times. I'll say it again. Community over everything. The Shopify community, the community of merchants, partners, developers, the Shopify folk, people that work here, this is a special, special tribe of, of incredible human beings. And uh, when, we, when we work together, uh, we, we do the most unbelievable, complicated things. We simplify things. We add value. We build shit. It is so cool. And I'm so grateful for all of you listening.
1: I'm grateful as well, Harley. Thank you so much. Shopify Masters is produced by Megan Coyle, Gogo Zoger, Matt Schwartz, Miku Betlam, and Shuang Esther Shan. And I'm Benjamin Gottlieb, and I'll catch you next time.